Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a special talk from the 59th New York Film Festival with Drive My Car director, Risuki Hamaguchi, moderated by filmmaker Mateus Pinheiro. Making his return to NYFF with not one, but two main slate selections, Japanese filmmaker Hamaguchi affirms his stature as a true rising star of world cinema and one of the foremost chroniclers of the ebbs and flows of human relationships. With Drive My Car and Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, a pair of vividly realized and ceaselessly surprising emotional epics, Hamaguchi demonstrates his singular talent for tracing the intricate workings of the heart amid the perennial paradoxes of modern life. Inspired by a Haruki Murakami short story, Hamaguchi spins an engrossing, expansive epic about love and betrayal, grief and acceptance, charting the unexpected, complex relationships that a theater-actor-director forges with a trio of people out of professional, physical, and psychological necessity. Drive My Car is now playing in theaters. For showtimes and tickets, go to filmlink.org drive. And YFF Talks are presented by HBO. Let's continue to the conversation. So let's start because yeah. uh, there's no time to waste. One <laughs> hour will be very quick, and I'm sure that also you have questions, so I don't want to, to take all the time myself. Um, I have known of your work through Happy Hour. Yes. No, But then you research a little bit, and you see that there's a lot of work before <laughs> Happy Hour. Yes. No, that maybe we haven't been able to explore that much. So having talked with you and having seen the work, I'm, I'm curious to hear about how those films that came before like somehow form you. No? What, what's in those films? That, what were the explorations in some of these films that some of them were um, uh, documentaries, fiction, some of them were uh, independent work, some of them were not. There, there's a very interesting mix that I think that we can still see today. Mm. So I, I, I wonder how they have impact in your in your formation in a way, in your in your film education in a way. Yes, thank you, Matthias. あの、結構その Happy Hour was um the first film that really started to get invited to international film festivals and I think a lot of think people might think that my career sort of began there but as you said Matthias um I have made more films before that uh, I would say maybe about 10 films before if I were to pick maybe three films from that filmography to talk about, first uh, is Passion from 2008. Um, so that was actually my thesis film that I made at Tokyo University of the Arts, um, where I went to grad school. And I was also a student of Kiyoshi Kurosawa there. Um, and in that thesis film, I actually was the first time that I worked with some of the actors that I still work with today. Uh, in fact, three people who are in Wheel of Fortune Fantasy are, are actually actors I worked with back then. I had been making films before that too, uh, but I had started making movies because I was really influenced and inspired by John Cassavetes, you know, a very New York filmmaker. Um, but it was around the time when I was also starting to give up the fact that I can make films like him. Um, and, and instead, I started to think about how I can work with actors and I was figuring out how to collaborate with my actors. And I, there I was also figuring out what were my successes with them, what, what wasn't quite working. 
After Passion, uh, my career still keeps going on. I also made this film called Intimacies, uh, which many of you probably don't know, but that was actually a film that was 255 minutes long. The reason I made that film was that I was invited to be a teacher at a film school, um, and I was uh, teaching uh, for the last three months of the acting course in the school, um, and the job was to make their thesis film together. So at first, to be quite honest, uh, when I first met these people in class, I was a little bit um, uh, worried about what might happen, um, especially because I knew that I had to make a film with them. After all, many of these people were not quite certain if they were going to c continue a career in acting. They were sort of figuring out whether they want to do acting even as a career. Um, and whether they will continue beyond this school. But I did know that they were there because they wanted to figure out what life might be as an actor. And the three months that I was able to spend with them ended up being a very special time. And in those three months, what I did was continuously have a lot of conversations with the students. I asked them why they even wanted to act. Um, I, I was able to ask questions that I wouldn't generally be able to ask professional actors in a way. I was able to sort of use my position as a teacher to really interview and get to know it, know them. Um, and whatever they were saying, I realized that everybody had a reason why they wanted to act. Um, and that was really important to me and I decided that that is something that I really must respect. And in making the film, I really saw the way that they shone so brightly afterwards. It was unbelievable. One thing I forgot to mention is that with intimacies, uh, that one of the theme of that of the film was about a play, which means it has something related to drive my car in a way. Um, and for the three months, we practice uh, these theater pieces with these plays. Um, and in that, I really saw them shine, and I really realized the power of acting there. And actually, three months was the longest I've worked on a project at the time. Uh, at the time. And so that was also when I realized, oh, spending a lot of time to make a film can also lead to people shining brightly. So in some ways, there was also a documentary-like element to intimacies in that um, everybody played a role that was named after themselves. So in that way, there's this ambiguity between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, there's a border that they were um, on, the, on the precipice of. Um, and so now the third film that I would want to want to talk about is uh, something from a documentary series of documentaries that I made. So this I sort of call the Tohoku Trilogy. It's a, a series of three films. Um, I co-directed this with a, another director called Ko Sakai, who was um, somebody senior in my uh, film program. Um, and it, what we did was, uh, it was, we made it right after the uh, Great East Japan earthquake that happened about tw 10 years ago. Uh, where the, with the earthquake and the uh, nuclear accident. Um, and so we went there, and this is sort of a record of our research that we did. We talked to a lot of the victims of the tsunami that happened uh, from the earthquake. This was originally a job that was offered to us, um, but of course it's a surrounding a very terrible incident that happened. A lot of the images that were coming out at the time was uh, incre uh, incredibly um, e extreme images that were coming out. And because of that, it was also a time for me where I felt that I could not do work in fiction. So doing a documentary actually ended up being one way for me to keep creating. Uh, but once I was there um, in Tohoku, I still wasn't sure what I should actually shoot. Of course, we went in there to really figure out what had actually happened uh, during the earthquake. So we went to go interview and ask what happened. 
But then doing it, uh, and we're talking to people we're sort of seeing as victims of the earthquake. But when we ask them, when we approach them with the idea that we really want to listen to what they have to say, they weren't just victims, but they were also telling us uh, so much about their life. I was really seeing these moments where their life was coming out of them. And I, I saw moments where they just shine so brightly. Through these experiences, uh, my, me and my co-director were talking about why. Why are we witnessing these moments where these special things are happening in front of us? And we came to the simple answer that it's because we're listening. Um, we're there because we want to hear what they have to say. And so we continued down this road through this process by asking them to, by letting them know that we're really interested in knowing about them. And through that, I, we found that they start to really express themselves. And, um, and as we continued down this road, we made this film over a course of two years. Um, and uh, I think it, then, then we, were, we, we ended up shooting things that went beyond what we thought we would end up shooting. We shot things that were very positive in a lot of ways. Um, and then the result of this afterwards is that I then wanted to bring in some of these lessons learned into fiction. And so the result of that is actually happy hour. Yeah, it was too long. Sorry. <laughs> but it wasn't simple. Perfect. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. want to listen to you. So that, that, that's, that's great. And, and again, you, you've been making movies since even like 2008 or even before. So there's a lot to talk about that. So I, I appreciate the detail. I brought some quotes hmm. so as to trigger some thoughts. Uh, and we have talked about this. No, we have talked about Jean Renoir, yeah. no, the French filmmaker. And when I see your movies and I, I, and I go through your characters, there's one sentence that comes to my mind every time that is this line from uh, The Rules of the Game no, that says, um, the awful thing about life is this. Everyone has their reason. No, and I feel that this resonates very much mm. with how you think of character, how you think of plot. So I just like curious to see how this sentence somehow resonates with you and, and with your composition of your films. Thank you. I actually knew about Matthias before we actually met about five years ago because uh, there were retrospectives of his work happening in Japan. Uh, so I knew the name. Um, and then I heard that he had watched Happy Hour. And then I also heard that he had praised the work using that quote you just gave. And I was very happy at that time. Yeah. So, um, so here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back. <laughs> yes. Kono. Um, so, you know, I'm very honored that you use Jean Renoir's quote to talk about my work. Um, but I think the, it, it all goes down to the fact that I needed to make Happy Hour the way that I did, uh, which is that I was coming out of the documentary that I made in Tohoku. And then I started a six-month workshop uh, with people. And that workshop was about listening. Um, because I realized that through listening, uh, it brings out people uh, to express themselves. And so I figured if I can get people to listen to each other, that space will be a space of listening and also a space of expression. And so in terms of what, the pra what it practically looked like, the listening workshops, it meant that I just asked people to follow what their interests are. Um, sometimes if it was a famous person if it involved a famous person then we'll invite them and we'll do a talk like this and sometimes I was the interviewer um, and and sometimes I asked questions but we also did this thing where we asked a participants to really listen to each other a lot and by by having them do that I realized a web of, of relations and a web of trust started to build amongst them
So the premise of this workshop was that we will come out of it with a film. And so I had I wrote a script that was about two and a half hours long at the time. Um, and we um, and and but then as I wrote the script, I realized there were differences appearing between the roles, difference of the amount of interest that is spent on uh, each role. There are about 17, there are 17 participants in the workshop. Um, and during the workshop, we had established this feeling of equal respect and equal amount of attention towards each person. But then through the roles, there was a differences started to appear in terms of the amount of attention that was spent. Um, and so I, I felt this breaking of a trust or these relationships happen because of the role. And I, I, I felt uh, people pushing back against it. We had really established through this space a, where everybody has had really strong relationships. It was slightly different through friendship. This was this trust that was built through the workshop, through the process, this respect that was built amongst them. And so if one person felt hurt, then everybody was starting to feel hurt by it. Um, and so we felt that this space of, I felt that we had to bring this space of trust into the film. Um, and that everybody has to be respected. Everybody has to have the attention spent to them. And so then the roles must be rewritten in that way. And so with that idea, we did many, many rewrites. And as some of you might know, the result was a five hour, 17 minute film. <laughs> and so when you quote this John Renoir quote, I think that sort of appears through the process that I just spoke about. Um, and this kind of feeling was not something that had happened before in my films. Um, and so for me as well, Happy Hour is actually quite a definitive film in terms of the experience that I had. Um, I think after making Happy Hour, I found a, a more heightened resolution of uh, in my characters. It was more finely tuned, it was more detailed. Um, and I think that has also affected my later works. Thank you. Second quote. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> From Samuel Beckett. Yes. <laughs> uh, why not? No. And yeah. so, uh, he says, he writes, no, try again, fail again, fail better. Yes. And, and last week we were able to talk and, and the concept of failure mm. in an idea of how do we produce our films, how do we write, how, how we understand creative process and how failure can be a very... Um, a, a positive and nutrient uh, path. Mm. So I would, I would like to hear you talk about uh, this concept. Yes. I just heard uh, Beckett's quote for the first time from you. I can repeat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a really great quote. I really like it. Yes. I think failure is a fundamental part of creation. At the end of the day, you know, I often get asked this question, how did you make this? And the ultimate answer to that is that I just, I don't really know. Um, I go, I try one way and I keep going and I hit a point where I feel like it didn't quite work. Then so I go back and then I try again a different way. And it's that kind of process um, that I, I do during creation. And I think what I, end, what I end up with is just this path of creation that I somehow found through that process. Um, and so to be honest, uh, that, that, that's just how it all turns out. Making Happy Hour and the story was, uh, it was actually a very luxurious time for me. Uh, it was a luxurious process in a way. Of course, the budget was very low, but I was able to spend a lot of time. And also I was able to do two things, which are rewrites and to do retakes. 
the reason I did rewrites was usually because there's a character in a story and then I felt that the actor and the character was not balanced in, a, in the right way. So that was when I would do rewrites. Um, and with this project, there were many people who were non-professional actors that were part of the project, which meant that I needed to change the roles. I needed to do rewrites in order for the actors to feel like they can perform these roles. Um, they didn't quite say it so harshly, but they were they were quite clear and apparent in showing that they can't that they aren't able to do this when they were trying to act out these roles. And so then I, on my end, had to meet with them by doing rewrites. Uh, towards the beginning of the shooting process, what I found was that when the actors were saying, you know, they can't do this, they can't do this moment, it was usually because they felt that the dramatic progression that was happening was too extreme in their part. Uh, but later on in the creation process, I found that they were gaining more strength as performers. They were shining more brightly. And I found myself thinking, you know, actually now at this point in time, they might be able to do new things. They might be able to do other things. There were elements that showed that they might be able to do that because their strength as actors were uh, getting stronger. And also they were shining so much brighter, in my opinion. And so then I was able, because of the way we were making happy hours, I, I was able to rewrite and have the script match this potential that I was seeing. Um, and to be honest, happy hour has been the only work so far where I have been able to have this kind of creative process. But to speak about retakes, uh, at least in the Japanese film industry, it's really difficult to do retakes, um, at least in our setting. Um, and but. At the end of the day, shooting is a very difficult process. So there's always something that doesn't work out exactly as planned. Um, but yet, in normal situations, I have to still be okay with uh, these failures or these mistakes or, or things that just wasn't going as planned. Uh, but for this film in particular with Happy Hour, I was allowed to do retakes um, in order to try to figure out a way to get to where we were trying to go. And that was a really big thing for me. So you know, if you're if you're a writer uh, writing uh, a novel, or perhaps a musician who makes music, I think you might know that you know if you start writing it a certain way and you think it's wrong, you you go back and redo that. Um, and but it's hard to do the similar a similar process when you're filmmaking. And I think that's fundamentally because filmmaking is uh, structured in a way which goes beyond the individual. So it's really hard to go forward and then take that back and go take a step back. But through making Happy Hour, I realized that when you are able to do that, there's so much power to that. And you're able to do things uh, that you couldn't ordinarily do. Um, and so since making Happy Hour, I've been trying to create environments where I can bring these elements into the creative process. And I'm still figuring out how to do that. まあ、そして今の話を聞いてどう思ってるんですかっていうことを聞きたい。Since I've been speaking too much, I really want to ask you a question, Matthias.、Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about how you feel about that particular quote or anything that comes to mind from what I just said.、Um, no, I, I enjoyed very much. I feel that, you know, I think that in this. I make very independent movies, very small movies, but I still feel that this idea of shooting and reshooting, writing and rewriting was even done in the studio era. The,、yeah. Why were they looking at rushes just to congratulate themselves? No, 
I guess that it was to control or get the thing more or this or that. So the idea of writing and rewriting, shooting and reshooting was very much part of the thing, I think, you know? So the idea that we are so far away from that, like puts me to question mm. the way that we produce our things. So it's, it's something that I'm also interested. I think that I'm working a way where I include this possibility of like writing, shooting, editing, writing, shooting and editing in a kind of amateur way in a way, but I need that, you know? Yes. And, and so, yeah, because I don't know everything in that sense. Yes. No, I don't know everything. So I need to, 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 to expand. And usually accidents are very helpful or you cannot write an accident in a yes. way, you know? So, uh, and that's why you are, I'm interested in cinema as a collaborative discipline as I think that you also are no interested in I like to work with actors and with the DP and with the producer because I think that they do something in the film the film wouldn't be the same hi I'm Clinton Crute and I'm Devika Girish we're the editors of Film Comment the Film Comment letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors the letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. So, so in that sense of collaboration, I'm going to throw the ball back to you. <laughs> and this time for the third quote, I actually need you. Because I don't have it, because it has to do. I know that you're very Kyoshi Kurosawa has been very important for you. Yes. So without being indiscreet, I want you to ask you if you would have a quote by Kyoshi Kurosawa for us, something that he has said to you, or something. Oh. You can make it up if you want to. <laughs> uh, he won't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm curious about this bond. And, uh, and I'm, I admire him a lot, so I wonder if you can provide us with a Kyoshi Kurosawa quote. Yes. あの、もうこれはでもほんとにまた難しい。あの、というのは、ま、クロサさんが自分に教えてくれたっていうのは、ま、本当に限りないものがあって、ま、自分のその映画作りっていうのは本当に根本的に変えられたっていうところがあります。
And the camera at the end of the day is a tool that records factual events. So it's recording exactly what happened. It's a tool of recording. So to even think of making drama through a camera is actually a mistaken idea. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a misplaced idea. And so, and the way that I interpret this story is that, you know, what, the camera is also, if a camera is capturing a body, a physical body, whether you say, you say start, you say cut, but then within that there's a body. And in that, that means that it's also capturing the history of that body, the history that that body carries is always present. And so that's how I've interpreted it. It also means that the fact that this actor is here after memorizing the dialogue, that history is also very present. Kurosawa actually sees the camera as very powerful. Um, but that all said, um, he so, so the fact that he even said this Anecdote to me is a very big deal because the camera is so uh, all all powerful, um, but and the camera can cut up reality in a sense. But I think he was also saying that he can't take away from the body what exists in the body. Also, can't be all taken away by the camera either. And to me, the interpretation here is that the body is very resilient. But as a director, I feel that we need to think about how do we then relate to different bodies? Um, what kind of histories that are in the bodies? What kind of bodies are we choosing? What kinds of histories are we choosing that comes with the bodies? Um, and so even if the shooting period is a very short period of time, I have to also think about what kind of history that I'm adding to that body through what I'm doing. Um, and if I don't think about that, um, I'll always continuously um, have a, a a broken connection to the, to drama. で、まあここまでが一つで、もう一つあるんですよ。<笑> so that was the end of my first quote.、Uh, I, <笑> I have a second one. で、これはその監督の仕事は何かって、これは直接聞いたことですけど、監督の仕事はもう何か。それはあのカメラをどこに。Uh, and so this is related to the director's job. Um, and this is something I actually asked him directly and that he responded.、Um, and, to, and he answered by saying that as a director, you think about where to put the camera, when to say start, and when to say cut. So that sounds quite ordinary, right?、Um, you know, when I first heard him say that to me, I said, What is he saying? <laughs> when you actually think about the first quote I talked about and put, it, put them both together, I think it. Has to do with how much do you actually record, and then how much do you leave outside of the frame? How much do you leave outside of the time that you're capturing? You know, and again, this is quite simple in a way. You know, if you try to capture somebody from the front and show their face, or you put the camera behind them and you show their back, you're giving different information.、Um, you're expressing different things, and it shows different things. And also to think about what that one shot will capture from when to when. From where to where, that is also,、uh, there's a lot of power in the difference that happens between those decisions of、uh, what you decide to capture.、Um, and to think about what are you recording, where are you recording, from where to where are you recording in this one shot. And so, in thinking about what Kurosawa told me, and to go back to his earlier quote, The camera is, at the end of the day, a tool for recording, which means it's probably better suited for something like a documentary. But then, if we're going to use this tool to then bring it into fiction, then we first have to understand the fundamental thing about this tool, which is a harsh reality which is,、uh, 
that uh, it is made for recording. And we have to accept that and understand that and then think about how we then use the camera and try to uh, calculate accordingly. <laughs> what do you how think? Do you think? <laughs> Good, thank you. Very generous, <laughs> two. Two for the price of one. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, as we only have 10 minutes less, even a little bit oh. less, I think that we have I'm to sorry. open to the public. Yeah. So, uh, oh, oh my God. So, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, should know. we put like, right, like in a bag, like names and like... Yeah, as you know, uh, I'm very bad at control time. <laughs> so yeah. I'm thinking a number from 1 to 15, the one that... No, wait, give me one second. Give me a second. Okay, I can write it down here so that you say that I'm not a liar. Okay. Two, six, <laughs> 14, nine, and eight. Ah. One simple fact. Three, eight, seven, nine, four. Four. Well, I have to repeat a very quickly. The first question is about real and surrealism, the limits between that. Yeah. So maybe first that question. Yes. You know, sometimes I do get um, compared to this idea of magic realism, uh, but at the, fundamentally speaking, I ultimately think that everything that I depict is uh, rooted in realism. And that really goes back to the fact that we're using uh, the bodies of actors. Um, and so what we ac actually shoot in our film is limited to what they can physically do in reality, um, especially uh, films of our budget. Um, and so, so what we see here is realism. But even if other people might take some of the things that happen in my films as something that uh, is unreal. Um, I personally believe quite strongly that everything that I've been depicting can happen in reality, is part of reality, uh, save for very few elements that I've depicted before. But, all th but basically, at the end of the day, I, I feel so strongly that all of these things can happen and will happen and is part of reality. So then the important point here is that it, the question becomes about how to then use reality to bring it to somewhere that might seem unreal. Uh, to, to, it, it leads back to sort of things that I talked about earlier. Uh, yeah, but there was a second part. We, yeah. Um, yeah. When he decides to end the scene. Yes. When he decides to end the scene. And this is actually related to what I've just been talking about because the um it's usually when I felt that I've made that feeling of feel, making something that is rooted in reality also feel like something beyond reality, something that could be unreal. When I feel that I've made it, when I'm writing something, when I feel that I've gotten to the part where without breaking my own sense of reality, I've managed to bring it to this certain level of unrealism, that's when I feel like I can move on to the next scene. Thank you. One. We have for one more. Okay. Uh, again, the number from 1 to 15. I wrote it. 11. <laughs> Question about casting and how you work with new people and how. No? Sorry to simplify it a lot. I'm sorry. Hi. For you. まあ、その
If in the past I had said 90% is casting, I think I was exaggerating. Um, I, I wouldn't say 90, I would say maybe 70%. Um, but, <laughs> but I will say it's a big portion of um, what I think about. I think, um, but this again goes back to something that I mentioned earlier, but it's difficult to change the history of that person you're working with, especially because shooting time is so short. The time that you actually spend shooting is so short, you can't make those changes to that person's personal history. So then what, in thinking about casting, I have to work with people who I feel like I can establish a certain intimacy with in the relationship in order to uh, work with them. And of course, it's important to see uh, to pick somebody uh, who matches the characters in the story. But beyond that, um, I think what I also do is that I, I talk to people and I work with people that I find to be appealing in having conversations with them. Um, you know, what people, when I do these things, what people consider auditions, I don't actually watch them perform very often. Instead, I actually just continue to have conversations with them. I talk with them. And then when I feel that this person is a wonderful person, that's when I offer them the role. Yeah. The reason why I want to talk quite normally and ordinarily with these people is because once I figure out that this person is wonderful, then all, I know that all that they need to do is to be able to talk naturally um, and that I just need to set up an environment where they can say these things naturally. And so if, if they're already wonderful there, then all I have to do is record that. And so in that sense, this is where Kurosawa's teaching, earlier teaching, comes into play. Good. Last question now, a letter. Letter, letter, not number. H. Yeah, that was easy. H. あのこの映画作りの期間っていうのはもう絶対、まあ、人が変わってるというかあもう何というのかなそのその時間だけはあのまあすごく入ってる。How do I say this? Because you know when you talk about whether I do change in person I think you're right. I think I do become very very hypersensitive, as you say. It's a time spent where I feel that way, where I feel very honest and uh, very committed. Um, and so, and I know that 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 time that I spend while I'm filmmaking is not a kind of time that I can always have, that I can always continue. While you're working within the fiction role, while you're making fiction, it's a time where honesty is allowed. Um, for example, in our regular daily lives, when we're talking, when we're living our lives, we can't always be honest. I don't think it's possible to always be honest. Um, and, but if I were to do, if that was happening in a film, not being honest actually shows in the film. So it's during fiction, working in fiction, that we're able to say things that perhaps we can't always say. For example, I could, Um, say to someone, you know, you're doing it this way, but you know, in order to make a better film, in order to get a better result, we have to do it this way. Um, and within, while we're making a film, then that kind of talk is allowed, and honesty actually allows for things to blossom. Okay. Thank you okay. very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah.
Thank you. Thank you, Matthias. One, one hour is very short for us. <laughs> very short for us. Sorry. But we'll have you soon. Uh, maybe next year with three movies. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.